1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's got the volume-enhanced tone technology, and that really gives the Bugle a tremendous advantage in sound. You know, my hope is that people can watch what I'm doing and find it really relatable and achievable. I don't advocate that. People should not shoot off a bench. They should zero on a bench and then train. How are you going to hunt? You need to shoot how you hunt. You could throw all the stones you want at me, but I'm going to pick them up and they're, they're gonna grow in my hand, I'm gonna throw them back. And I think there's more respect and more reverence that's given when they actually sit down and realize the price that has been paid for our sustenance. It takes people that are willing to step up and find these types of kids that don't have as many opportunities and be the people that help lead them into a different direction. Our culture needs people that are leaders and not people that are waiting for somebody else to show them how to do it, but are willing to be the leader that makes it happen. This is Christy Titus, and you're listening to Living Country in the City. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. All right, y'all, welcome to episode 115 of Living Country in the City. Before we get going, I want to say a big thank you to Sawyer Products for their continued support of the podcast. Y'all, Sawyer makes some incredible products that help keep you in the outdoors for longer. They're a household name. They've been doing it for well over 30 years, and their products are top of the line when it comes to water filtration, first aid, insect repellent, and sunscreen, all of that super essential gear that you need when you're in the outdoors. So head on over to Sawyer.com and check them out. All right, y'all, with no delay, let's get into today's episode. All of y'all that have been listening for a while may remember about two years ago, one of my very first podcasts, I had the lovely Christy Titus on. We had an incredible conversation, had a lot of fun getting to know each other. Well, folks, she is back. We sat down together at Western Hunt Expo this year and really just took a little bit of time to catch up and talk a bit about hunting. So, y'all, I hope you enjoy episode 115 with the one and only Miss Christy Titus. Well, we are here at the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo. Last day, everyone is 
has sore back, sore legs. I think you're the only one with the sore back. Uh, <laughs> I, I have been hearing from everyone, at least, because you've got chairs in your booth, at least. I have not sat once. Really, though? And, no. and uh, all, all I know is I've been hearing from everyone, my back, my legs, my and feet. my head. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, the head is usually self-induced. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you that are carrying a giant backpack, though. Yeah, well, there's honestly not that much weight in there. I've just got a few hats piled in there, so it, it's it very looks light. very it looks more impressive large. than it actually yes. is. But, well, if you folks have been listening since at least episode six, since pretty much the very beginning of yeah. the podcast, uh, you may recognize the lovely voice of Miss Christy Titus. It or is not. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, but it is been a while. We've seen each other a few times since uh, the International Sportsman's Expo two years ago. Yeah. Since some random uh, random guy who had no clue what he was doing with an elk call. Well, s- still really doesn't. But <laughs> <laughs> You're working on it. You're a work in progress. I'm, I'm always a work in progress. But uh, came up to the uh, poor crippled woman <laughs> I know. the Sportsman's Gosh. Expo. <laughs> That was I was I was in rough shape then too. Yep. I was like, can we please just go sit down? I gotta put my leg up. <laughs> <laughs> that was just such a funny day, you know, because I had I think I had released two podcasts at the yeah. time. I had recorded maybe one before mm-hmm. I'd started talking. Oh, one or two additionally before I'd started talking to you, and uh, you know I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't know anyone in the. No industry we took you under our wing though you guys had full-on adopted yeah. me that weekend because that was the first first or second day of the mm-hmm. expo mm-hmm. and uh yeah you and uh you and rocky mm-hmm. and the surveys mm-hmm. and um I'm trying to think who else was out there it just a, it was a whole crew that's the great thing about the hunting community is that we all have such a common love for the outdoors that we welcome new people and share this space you know, with pleasure, you know, like we want more people getting involved in what we're doing. And especially your perspective was so unique. Um, I felt it was very important to help not only embrace, but to support what you're doing because it's, you know, getting your voice into a whole new demographic and, you know, hearing the voice of the hunter and and how important, how hunting is conservation and having that translate into a whole new California. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. What are all the comments? Oh, I heard camels outlawed in California. Oh, you guys can hunt out there. And yes, I've heard it all at this yeah, point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you you would you'd wonder, but California is a very big state, and there's a lot of California oh, yeah. that's really great, and there's a lot of California that's not so great. But well, we, you won't, would, I we mean, won't we won't judge the entire state. Most people that only know California from like L.A., yes. San Diego, and Sac- or like San Francisco would not recognize 90% of the state. There's literally that just like sliver of those states along uh, along the I-5 that are a little rough sometimes. Mm-hmm. The rest is, I mean, we got a ton of farmland. We got yeah. a ton of, I mean, we have so much public land out there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of great opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, but uh, yeah, coming in, um, not knowing anyone, uh, talking with, I remember you filming as Rocky was showing me how to, uh, how to use the elk call. Well, and I was on the IG stories, oh you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I, I remember just thinking to myself, I had no idea who he was, the, the history right mm-hmm. there. He was just some nice dude that worked for the, the company that was selling calls. And yeah. he was, I'm like, shoot, somebody's helping me learn how to elk call? Okay. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think it was like a month later or, or even longer, like I find out, I kind of found out who he was. I'm like, that guy was teaching me to elk call? Oh my gosh. 
That's the great thing about these expos because all of the companies that, the great minds that are behind all the products that we get to use while we're in the field to help us become successful, mm -hmm. they're all in this room. And so if you have a willingness to learn or a hunger for knowledge, this is a great place to have that fulfilled. And you get to meet the most incredible people that do some incredible things that we can all aspire and look up to and they're in one room. It's it's really profound. Yeah, and I mean it's it's just funny looking at the difference between between two you know, whatever, two years ago. That saying that does not sound like that long, but it feels like a lifetime. Well it feels like a lifetime because you've done so much. Oh, Holy yeah. smokes, look how many hunts <laughs> you've been on and things you've accomplished and experiences you've had that are life changing. Oh yeah. I mean in there's no other word for it. It is literally life-changing because, I mean, just because of what hunting is. I mean, yeah, for some people it's a hobby. For most, it is an absolute lifestyle, and I was figuring that out then. I mean, now I, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say I have fully adopted it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm building most of my life's decisions surrounding being able to do this and, yeah. and living that lifestyle, and and it's just funny, you know, coming in. Like looking at people on Instagram and and being like, okay, you know, I this person this person kind of looks like they know what they're yeah. talking about, like sneaking peeks at names. And now I walk through the expo and it's like I got people run up giving me hugs. Oh yeah, and it's, it's great. Like, it's just it's a different it's a different. Well, world. I always laugh because I meet people and I look at them and I'm like, okay, so if we actually like ever met face to face, yeah. or do I just know you because I follow you on Instagram? <laughs> like, if there's the wall there. It gets a little clouded sometimes because you're not sure if you've actually physically met someone or mm -hmm. if you just follow them because you're, you feel like you're such a part of people's, people's lives and, and their day-to-day -day just because of social media. It really unites us yeah. in a truly, truly significant way. I mean, I have people coming up to me all the time now like, hey, I love following what you're doing on your ranch and how exciting is that? And, you know, when are you going to post new pictures? And I'm like, well... Maybe when I get home for more than, like, five <laughs> minutes because I've been home 12 hours in three weeks. Yeah. No, it's it's one of those things, and it's funny cause, because there's people I've met multiple times or I interact with on a daily basis almost that I know less about than people that I've solely interacted with yeah. on Instagram. And, I mean, more than just following their, mm -hmm. following their stories, liking their pictures, whatever, but people you talk with yeah. and you stay in contact with. And those are the people, and I've, I've probably said it a million times, those are the people you run into here at the Expo, and you're like, I don't know if I should, like, give you a hug, a high five, or introduce myself right now, because I know you, but we've never actually met. met. This is really, I'm not sure what, what the protocol is, yeah. is for this, but no, it's, uh, I mean, and for someone like me that's, especially back then, you know, wanting to learn, wanting to figure out gear, yeah. wanting to figure out hunts, and and just mm -hmm. talk to smart people coming to an expo like this is yeah. And there's a ton of new oh, gear yeah. out there all every year. It really surprises me um, the forward thinking that so many of these manufacturers have into taking a product that we all use every day, and they make it you know not only good but they make it better all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and that ingenuity is truly incredible. And you walk through here and you're always learning, and it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's, and some of this stuff, you look at it, it's almost like, okay, how do you make a better paperclip? Well, you can't until all of a sudden, like, somebody makes a better paperclip, and you're like, holy crap, how did how you... How did you make the paperclip better? That's, yeah. that's amazing, and it's, like, simple simple products that you wouldn't think really could be improved upon, and every every year they manage to... Have you gotten a chance to do much browsing? 
I haven't done any browsing. <laughs> no, I, uh, that's the, you know, that's the thing for me is I have a booth here and, uh, I try to be in my booth as much as possible, mm -hmm. which, which this year, I'm fortunate. My sister's helping me in years past. I've been, uh, working You've my booth by myself. Solo, yeah. Yeah. And so, but this year it afforded me the opportunity to, you know, go to the Cabela's booth, stop by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation booth to go to the Rocky Mountain Hunting Calls booth and mm -hmm. do some other things with my time. But, um, it still doesn't allow me time to, to walk around and kind of just peruse and walk through every aisle. So I have honestly no idea of what's even in this room because I don't, <laughs> I don't get to see it. Everybody else is ahead of the game as far as, as, far as oh, my yeah. knowledge. Well, so speaking of Rocky Mountain hunting calls, since we talked the first time, I think it was pretty much right after we talked, uh, some a whole new brand got released. Yeah. So yeah. tell uh, tell the fine folks listening uh, all about uh, the the new line of calls. So I have <coughs> a new line. It's called the Pursue the Wild series. It launched last year, and it's a three-part series. So I have a bugle tube, I have an external read cow call, and I have a diaphragm call, and. Uh, my bugle tube is called the Wild Frenzy, and it's a great call. It's got a lot of volume. It's got the selector at the bottom, so you can, you know, open that up for more volume or kind of close it down if you're in a little tighter situation and you want a little less volume. It's got the volume enhanced tone technology built in, which is that little spring sound found inside. Mm -hmm. And that really gives the bugle a tremendous advantage in sound. Um, the, the, the notes that you get out of that bugle are incredible. The way you, the back pressure that's designed into the bugle, mm -hmm. you can really hold your octaves longer. It adds that such a big resonance. Oh yeah. And in a, such a smaller size, you Absolutely. get that same resonance that you would get with one of their giant bugle tubes and you're not carrying something huge huge yeah it's still a good size tube um it's just not as big as some of the other tubes this year i was really excited we launched that tube in cryptic uh, highlander so that was really fantastic i have a new acrylic external reed cow call this year um it's called the wild thing <laughs> and uh <laughs> you can sing the song in your head when you say that if you want because that's kind of what i did when i named it i was like <laughs> da 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 wild thing you know that no, work. <laughs> you know <That'll> work. <laughs> anyway so <laughs> that's a that's how the call got named and um it's a great sounding call uh, it, you know especially if you struggle with a diaphragm or you just want that really nasally estrusy sounding cow call um, it's got a great volume to it and then I have the Wild Fury uh, diaphragm call, which is tried and true. It's got the plastic pellet plate top. It's got a little bit narrower frame on the diaphragm. And it has just great sounds all around for cow-calf sounds and also your bugles. So um, that call has been a very, very, very good selling call. And we're making some changes to that this year. Um, and uh, not that that one's not great. We're just kind of doing some design changes on the on that call itself. So mm -hmm. I'm excited about that, and we're working on some big things. So, so I still have from two years ago my Wild Fury and my Wild Frenzy samples that yes. you guys because you were giving out the samples mm -hmm. of the the Wild Fury, and then Rocky had a sample of the Wild Frenzy too. And a after the show, uh, hooked you up with that. He was like, "Okay, this poor kid needs a bugle too." Oh! Oh, so um, I gave it to and you. So That's he hooked so me sweet. up with that. Well, because I do, I do like it. I was uh, trying out the different bugle yeah. tubes, and I liked having that selector on the front. Um, and but I liked that uh, the resonance that the mm -hmm. I, I forget what it's called. The volume spring. enhanced tone technology. The volume enhanced tone technology provides. That -E yeah, it gives you. I mean, it gives you that very full, rich mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. bugle that you get from some of the wider, bigger mm -hmm. tubes. 
but like you said, I mean, it's you know, it's still a bugle tube. Yeah. You're not, it's well, not a teeny tiny bugle tube, but you get so much more. You get a lot of sound in a smaller thing, package. Yeah. But the nice thing about Rocky's calls is they've got you know back pressure. And when I talk about they've got good back pressure, a lot of people, if you think about this, if you blow through a paper towel holder and you try to use that as a bugle, your air escapes your diaphragm at a much more rapid pace. Mm -hmm. So if you blow through my tube or another one of Rocky's tubes, your air stays in that tube and it creates a back pressure. So it allows you to have air without feeling breathless mm -hmm. to create all of those high notes we want to reach and then carry them out and finish them out with a nice grunt or a chuckle at the end um, or just a growl at the end or however you decide yeah. to end your call. So it's really nice. He's got that technology built into those tubes um, of that of that back pressure. Yeah. And it's I, I like. I like the combination of everything, and I, and you hadn't come out with them yet. No. And I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, man, when's she going to come out with them? And I think it was, I mean, that was what, I'm like almost a, only like a month before or something yeah. like that. It was a few weeks. It was brand new. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to order one right off. And he's like. We got you. I'm like, are you serious? Like, and that was, mm -hmm. that was like the, the biggest deal mm -hmm. for someone new coming into hunting, mm -hmm. especially. That was the nicest thing he could have done in the world. The generosity and, in, in yeah. the hunting and outdoor community is incredible. And then. It doesn't. Every day, it's very touching. You see, you see people doing wonderful things, and you know Donnie Drake and Corey Jacobson working with Hunt of a Lifetime, and mm -hmm. I work with Wounded Warrior Outdoors, um, and, and you, you know, you have other groups like Wishes for Warriors here, and I've worked with Children of Circumstances Outdoors, and so there's a lot of people, you know, helping kids, helping people, helping folks get into new gear, giving mm -hmm. samples. There's just a lot of helping hands that happen in the hunting community, and it, it makes it such a great place to be part of. Yeah, and it's honestly, it's it not coming from this perspective, but it's just good business too. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Rocky taking that time, you and Rocky taking that mm -hmm. time to show me how to use uh, use the reeds and the bugles and show me all the different stuff and explaining it to me. I absolutely am loyal to this yeah. company. I mean, and obviously, if the bugles did not work, if the reeds yeah. did not work for me, I probably wouldn't use them, but. Um, it's it just developing that relationship is so important, yeah. and it it's valuable for everyone all around. There's value in there, and um, you know everyone everyone likes having a good buddy to call up with hunting questions, and uh, and if nothing else, just it's nice saying hi to everyone here, and uh, seeing the smiling faces, and someone someone that legitimately lights up when you walk up yeah. to a booth and give them some grief. Yeah. And <laughs> well, that's the best part about the expo is giving each other grief. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I mean, I live for that, right? So if I'm not teasing with you, we're probably not that good of friends. Because it's a, like uh, John Bear. I'm going to be talking oh, talk to I him. Oh, I love John. I love him so much. He's and the announcer for any, the auctioneer oh, yeah. for, if anybody doesn't know, listening. I uh, no idea who he was last year. I was just waiting for, waiting to meet someone uh, just uh, out by the front entrance. And there's some cool dude in a really nice suit and a cowboy hat. Yeah. And, I was sitting there. I think I may have complimented him on the hat or the the suit or something. And or both, yeah. Yeah, who knows? When we just started talking, like just yeah. about nothing, and I know, you know, I know, yeah. it's a pretty big deal around here, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, you know, this year, you know, he saw me, and you, like, hey, and I, I swear, we run into each other like every 15 yeah. minutes, uh, this whole weekend. And you know, I'm joking around, and I'm like, oh, oh, gotta hide from him, and yeah. and all that stuff, and you know, giving him grief. And all of a sudden, I'm at one of the banquet dinners, and I'm like, he's walking on stage. Up stage. <laughs> he's running the show. I'm like, that's my buddy. And then they're kind of introducing him. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. okay. 
that's just my buddy in the cowboy hat. <laughs> you have to be careful at those banquets. I had one of his spotters last night just about have me bid on a $30,000 tag. Oh, He's geez. like, come on, you want to <laughs> buy it? I'm like, and I almost tempted. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> He's like, your car's paid off, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I mean, you, not can, funny. you can take out a loan on your car, right? Yeah, take out. <laughs> I sell everything you own and buy this deer tag. No, oh, <laughs> I'm good. Well, so uh, speaking of hunts, uh, how did this how did this last season go for you? So this is my se second season filming for my digital series, Pursue the Wild. And I mean, honestly, like if you would have asked me 10 years ago if, I, if I'd be doing what I'm doing, I would say no. Um, but I came up with the concept and logo and name and everything for Pursue the Wild um, over 12 years ago. And I just kind of let it sit until I had something to, to use it for that I felt was was uh, the right fit, right match. Um, and so Pursue the Wild, second year filming on that. You know, this last year I did a lot of deer hunting. I was blessed to go doll sheep hunting. So this year, you know, I've got a good lineup going as well. I try to do a lot of focus on hunting public land. If I use a guide or an outfitter, I try to you know, promote other women that are that mm -hmm. are really in, in the hunting world and are authentic and legitimate. And uh, I've done some great hunts with some ladies um, I, I got dropped off with two girls 100 air miles from the nearest road, and we hunted moose and caribou, and they were in their 20s. And, oh, that's and, amazing. Uh, with North River Outfitters, it was, a, it was a great experience. So Pursue the Wild for me, you know, going into my second year, I'm pretty excited about all the things I have coming this year. A lot, lot more public land hunts again this year. Last year I hunted a lot of public land and had a lot of success out there and just trying to do a lot with my mules and my dad and, uh, you know, bears, antelope, elk, deer everything in between my big destination hunt this year will be mountain caribou which i did a couple years ago and um i want to go back i'm going to do a late season mountain caribou hunt in the snow and we're going to stay in kufaro teepee tents and and uh, it's gonna be a good time so where uh, where where's that going to be northwest territories okay so oh, i want to hit that incredible. migration and and really kind of see that and you know my last caribou i got was an incredible journey it was a opportunity hunt and but I want to go up and, and do the whole snow and, and stay in the teepees and just have a, a different type of experience. There's something so incredible about that. Like, I mean, you know, when we recorded last time, I was getting ready for an, an Idaho elk hunt mm -hmm. and did not quite turn out like I hoped it would. But That happens often. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I learned a lot. But one of the amazing things, however, to some extent, there's a, it added a little bit of a misery aspect to it. But... It also added this kind of just awesome, awesome, just wonderful, beautiful part to the trip was being out in my sawtooth yeah. with my stove, snow just dumping all around. Yeah. yeah, it was a little rough the next morning when I'm like hiking through knee deep snow and trying to find elk sign. Um, but there's just something about it that made it incredible being out there. Yeah. And I mean, anything covered with snow is just absolutely oh, gorgeous. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. And, and the gear now, I mean, that's what's so great about coming to these shows again is, is checking out the new gear. I mean, I, on my moose hunt, I was in a, it was in a tent and it was snowing. We had six inches of snow and I called my mom on a sat phone and I'm waiting for a plane <laughs> for the weather to break and for a plane to come get me. And, um, and my, my mom's like, Oh, it's snowing there. I'm like, yeah. She's like, Oh, good thing you're in a cabin and you know, you're so <laughs> probably warm and at least cozy. You can watch all the snowfall. And I'm like, mom, I'm in a tent. And she's like, how are you staying warm? And I'm like, well, I got a slick bag. <laughs> it's a zero degree bag. I'm warm. And she's like totally dumbfounded that I could be sleeping outside in a tent and, <laughs> and be warm. But that's adventure to me. I, I mean, I really live for those ultimate adventure kind of mountain hunts where you're backpacking, you're living off your back and, really really get a lot out of the diy stuff and 
uh, you know, going forward, you know, for this year for Pursue the Wild and for what I've got going on, it's just, for me, it just gets better every year. Uh, it's exciting, and it, you know, very excited to see what uh, what's coming this season. Yeah. Check out those hunts, and I just, I love, I love watching those adventure hunts because I sit there, I'm like, okay, I can't go on that hunt right now, but now, now it's on the list. Yeah. Now it's on the list, and that's that's one of mine. I think we may have even talked about that uh, when we first recorded, but like. Well, and that's what I love about my series I do so much public land hunting you know my hope is that people can watch what I'm doing and find it really relatable and achievable because you know being a woman I am not out there alone I have a cameraman but I'm the one calling the shots it's my mm -hmm. hunt ever the success and, and ultimately the failure of it's on my shoulders and if that happens and you know either way whichever the outcome is and I hope that you know other girls watch what I'm doing and they're like well she's going out she's on public land She's hunting. She has no guide. She can, if she can do this, I can do this. And um, that's, that's to me a very profound message for a lot of women. And I always tell people, they're, they're like, well, don't you get nervous when you were hunting alone? And um, I'm fortunate enough to have a cameraman now, so I'm typically not alone, quote yeah. unquote. But um, you know, I, what, when I do hunt alone, you know, I started when I was younger, you know, with small, small, uh, triumphs where I would, you know, have a certain radius for my truck I would hunt and then I extended that radius slowly and as you grow confidence in your equipment and using your equipment like a, you know, GPS and um, like, you know, marking waypoints and being able to return navigation to those waypoints and uh, just, it just, in, it empowers you to be able to do more. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, th I mean, you learn skills that you may not have had before That's as right. well. You, um, you find new gear, you, and it's, and that's one of the interesting things, you know, I look back at like the gear I was buying back then. And I mean, some of it, I'm using the exact same pieces. Yeah. Uh, other, other bits are just, are completely different, completely out in left field. And you, um, I mean, it's every single bit of this, whether it's from the gear aspect, whether it's from the, just the field craft skill aspect, or literally just the fear aspect, the mental aspect of it you learn so much going along the way yeah. and you know you're always growing with that and doing pushing your boundaries a little bit more a little bit more every time or pushing them a whole lot more yeah. sometimes than you expect to but mm -hmm. um when you come out of that and you realize like oh well nothing happened or yeah. or even you know what something really bad yeah. did happen but i got through it mm -hmm. and i'm here and i'm and it makes everything else, uh, I don't know. It's just you come back after that and you're like, wow, this used to yeah. seem so intimidating. Now it's... Uh, now it's doable, achievable. Now it's absolutely achievable. we got to get you hunting steel now. Steel? Yeah. Uh, I do long range. You know, I compete nationally oh. in, in long range shooting. Yeah. And um, we got to get you hunting steel. we got to get you really <laughs> proficient with a rifle. And So back in the day, I, used to, I did used to teach rifle marksmanship. And for this odd ad hunt yeah. that I'm going on, as... Uh, this will probably come out. At, I mean, I guarantee this will come out after the odd ad hunt. Um, yeah. Hopefully, uh, everybody will ar ar have already seen the awesome long-bearded giant horned sheep that I'm going to yeah. be bringing home. Because very confident, very positive about yeah. that. Um, so rifle, you taught rifle marksmanship. Yeah. So uh, back, that was part of the reason why I started getting into hunting. So I used to work with this. It would be um, like a weekend clinic, mm -hmm. and it was family friendly. We teach anyone from like six year olds on uh, you know their first Ruger 1022 to uh, 
like former military dudes that are just trying to like kind of refresh they haven't been shooting in years and they're just trying to refresh their skills and it's a weekend clinic and we would teach like precision long long range marksmanship and we teach a very old style where you're not shooting off of bags you're not shooting off a rest you're shooting with a sling um you know we'd have we'd have old like vintage gi slings we'd use the old ones that were mass produced back Mm in uh back in the day and well i don't shoot off a bench i'm not an advocate for that yeah. I and don't advocate that. People should not shoot off a bench. They should zero on a bench and then train. Exactly. How are you going to exactly. hunt? You need to shoot how you hunt. Mm-hmm. Nobody shoots in a hunting situation off a bench. Exactly. I mean, typically. I mean, you know, you never know, and I'm losing my clothes here, apparently. Wow. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, you're the <laughs> hey, everybody, you guys can't see what's happening right now. Well, let me give you the behind <laughs> the scenes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, so we teach. It would be a... Uh, I, I, I called it like a history inherited yeah. or a her- history heritage and marksmanship clinic, and so we would uh, we teach rifle Who's marksmanship. We? Uh, it was the program. It was uh, there would be a group of instructors. Okay. Um, it was it was a whole national program um, called Appleseed, and uh, it's all over the U.S. There's multiple locations in various states, and you'd go out and I remember us talking about yeah, this. Yeah, we now. talked yeah, a little bit about absolutely. it. Absolutely. And uh, and yeah, you know you would. We teach a little bit of history. Yeah. Uh, uh, we teach that marksmanship. Well, and now you got to start competing with me. And, ooh, I'm not quite ready for that. It's been a while oh, since I've been behind a rifle. Oh, don't sell yourself short. The best I, way to uh, train is to go do it. And and so also <laughs> I finally picked up. You know, yeah. I I haven't had anything but my 22s, and I've got my M1 Garand. Mm-hmm. And I finally uh, picked up a rifle again for the first time. Right on. Because you've just converted years. to bow hunting like hardcore. Oh, I mean, it's hard not to sometimes. You pick up that bow, and it's just so much. And it's also so much cheaper after you buy the bow. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the initial purchase is pretty uh, pretty hefty, but I mean, when you start getting halfway deep, I mean, when I first started shooting, no, it cost about as much to, you were to shoot my bow because I was right. losing arrows left and right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, the monetary aspect of it is kind of nice after yeah. a while, and uh, but and and it's just fun, you know. It's it's you can typically go. It's easier to find a place to shoot a bow than necessarily than a rifle. Oh, certainly. I. Uh, I picked up a rifle recently. I got behind it to sight it in. I was like, it was very much like I wasn't going out to shoot. I was going, I need to hurry up and sight in this rifle. I got behind it, and I ended up going through two boxes of ammo because I was having so much fun. Yeah. I forgot how, how much, much fun I love it is. that. Yeah. And I go through 80 rounds in like a couple hours, and I'm like, oh, that was fast. <laughs> how did <laughs> oh, I go through that, that many so fast? Expensive. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, it's easy to do. And, and, you know, there's a lot of great firearm platforms out there where you mm-hmm. can train, like the Ruger Precision Rimfire is a little 22, and you can train and do work through all your fundamentals, work on your position building techniques, work on your times, and you're shooting 22 ammo. So it's like yeah. Even Easy that's day. gotten expensive now, though. I remember when I, I first mean, started. By comparison, it's cheap. I mean, yeah, I'm not. It's not. Yeah. You're not paying uh, a buck and twenty-five around, exactly. or a buck around. Yeah, um, exactly. But uh, I, I, I really always recommend to people they start shooting those Ruger 10-22s or you know whatever whatever uh, happens to be available. I'm, I just immediately go straight to that because uh, yeah. that was my first. That's your first first rifle. And, and you know what? Um, I'll just keep that because Ruger makes the best guns. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm. You I'm know what? You're, you're not here. You're not gonna hear me argue with that. Yeah. And uh, I'm shooting a Ruger. I picked up a Ruger American. Yeah. Um, I've got. That's what I do most of my hunting with. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm. I'm getting getting used to that. Uh, it's it's definitely different than than shooting the uh, uh, shooting the semi-auto. Um, it is. And it's, I'm what not used to... What caliber did you get? 
30-06. Um, mostly because I have all the reloading gear from yeah. my M1 Grand, and yeah. I was like, oh. You need to get a muzzle brake on it. Yeah, that would be that'd be nice. I picked it up. Because um, they're pretty light rifles. It can be poppy. It's it's very poppy. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't have a hard kick to it, yeah. but yeah, it's very poppy. It bounces yeah. a lot. And Get using it. the scope, I'm used to shooting irons to where I can see everything very clearly. Yeah. Um, with that scope, you know, you're you're zoomed so far in. It's like it. There's a lot more movement on shot placement. And yeah, you need to put a break on that thing, and and then you'll. Uh, You'll have a lot of forgiveness on your recoil there. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. But, yeah, I picked it's it up for this. It's threaded for it. Yeah. should be. I th yeah. I'll have to, they're I'll have to they're almost always capped. Yeah, so. I, uh, but I picked it up for this odd ad hunt because yeah. uh, I'm like, mm, I want to take the bow. But I think I may have said it a couple of times. Like, this was not intended to be, like, my September adventure elk hunt where I pack in and, and and I'm going out for the whole experience. This is like, I just kind of want to go on a fun hunt and get it done. You know, here's the thing, though. Like, I, I hunt with a firearm as much as I do mm -hmm. with a bow. And it, for new hunters especially that have not actualized a lot of hunting success, I, I think it's, it's good for them to kind of gain some confidence with yeah. a firearm, have some success, learn a little bit about hunting, have have some lessons where, you know, they might not be deal-breaking lessons because bow hunting's harder. It's just a lot harder, and you have to be a lot closer, and a lot there's a lot more that has to be absolutely perfect and right. And so there's nothing – man, I, I mean, rifle hunting's challenging as well. I mean, I've, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had some really tough hunts this year with guns, and, and uh, I don't think that there's anything wrong with – or shameful about picking up a gun and going hunting – Oh, at not all. in the slightest. I'm, I'm the there's a great way for you to be first successful. Person. I, it's the most hypocritical thing for me to say, but I, I'm the first person to say, do not go bow hunting for your first hunt. Yeah, I don't. Mean, <laughs> just <laughs> don't. I, I, and I would not change. I mean, once again, I, I think I've said it this way. If I had the choice between having it not happen at all or, or you know, I would, I would not change it. I yeah. would gladly go through all of that again to learn what I learn and I was I was super proud that my first ever big game tag filled was with a bow. Yeah. Uh, I you That's know a huge accomplishment. I worked very hard at that, and it took quite a while. It, it can. Um, sometimes we get lucky, and sometimes we don't. You know, yeah. and and sometimes it's skill. And but uh, no, I mean I think you're smart. If as new hunters, I think it's important for them to. Well, it just eliminates so many of the extra layers. You know, I. I Maybe it's a, a a cheesy analogy, but it's like you know. I think I've said it before. You got the onion, yeah. And it's like okay, you know, remove those layers a few bits at a time until you know you get to that, that juicy center bit where you you've got that that super romantic hunt that you want. Yeah. You know that that hardcore hunt rather than just trying to cut straight through with a dull knife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amen to that. Oh man. So uh, have you thrown any snakes at vegans lately? No, I don't. You know, I don't have any anti or vegan attacks online, really. No, none recently. I, I no, remember. I don't really, hardly at all, really. I mean, it's for me personally, it's rare to never that I have any anti-hunting attention. Um, but I, you know, I'm fortunate yeah. for that. But I've also dedicated my life to conservation, and it's really hard to attack somebody who's who's been so dedicated and an advocate for. Yeah the betterment of wildlife and wild places. It's, it's just tough to, what are you going to say to somebody? You can't, I mean, you could throw all the stones you want at me, but I'm going to pick them up and they're, they're going to grow in my hand. I'm going to throw them back <laughs> because I'm armed with facts. There you go. And facts don't lie. And people have a hard time refuting facts. And, and I always tell people, if you, 
if you have people that start attacking you on social or start attacking your way of life, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation has a campaign that they pioneered called the Hunting is Conservation Campaign, and they did infographics. And they broke it down with general stats on how hunting is conservation, and then they went through and detailed for each of the 50 states how each state is personally impacted by hunters. And, um, and if people, you know, if you get attacked and you want to know that, that information, it's on the homepage of my website, so christytitus.com, and it just scrolls. It's on the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's website. And if somebody starts attacking me, I just go pick out an infographic that's relevant, and I throw a fact back at them. And, mm-hmm. and um, typically, end up, I end up, they end up blocking me, and <laughs> I don't hear from them anymore. They, they retreat with their tail between their legs. So uh, the best thing I can tell people, you know, when you have those types of situations happen, you know, don't get mad, don't name call, fight with facts because facts can't be refuted and, and we have the greatest weapon in conservation in the world which is facts we funded founded the north american wildlife conservation model and, and it is the only existing successful model in the world and and we pay for conservation i mean 75 percent of statewide conservation comes from us pitman robertson tax act you know that comes from us so it's really hard once you really get to the nitty-gritty you know people can't touch what we do it's and I feel like, okay, there's always, you know, always those people that are, they're just unreasonable. You're never going to change their mind. You know, you got to use a little discernment with that. You know, still throw the facts at them. Yeah. It's important. But uh, when you share those facts with people, yeah, you'll get those, like I said, unreasonable people that will just block you. They're not going to change their minds. But so well, many I'm of these not, conversations. They're blocking me after they attack me. Yeah. They're like, oh, crud, we can't win this. Exactly. We're out. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many of those people that, yeah, they'll get they'll get a little aggressive at first. Yeah. And they'll they'll look at you and they'll start with the sad face emoji or the crying. It's always the crying emoji, yeah. the bawling emoji. Um, and then, uh, you know, whatever, they'll, how can you kill these beautiful animals? Yeah. And then they'll, they'll have a, the bear cub emoji and a bunch of hearts. Every, it's always the same formula like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't see it because yeah, I just, I've just don't get it. From yeah. just the pages I see it, it's it's like the few times I've gotten it, uh, it's it's always that like same formula with mm-hmm. the crying face emoji first. But uh, you know, a lot of them, you go back to them, and all of a sudden, you know, you uh, especially when you're talking in person, you know, yeah. you see their face change, you see their attitude change, and um, they just because it's a lack of information, it's a lack of understanding. Yeah. They've been. F- They've been force-fed, whether it's through movies or, you know, television or just whatever the media is. They've been force-fed these facts and told to believe that we're all bloodthirsty killers and just beers and deers. And, um, you know, all you have to do is pick up a rifle and you can go out and shoot anything you want. And that's what hunting is. Um, when you, I mean, even even when you just tell them, you're like, yeah, no, I can't just go out and hunt. This is all run by, like, degreed biologists um well i could argue how well some of the biologists do in managing our wildlife too yeah that's also but, a, um you know there's money behind that and there's other issues behind that but i think that the the thing that you know we need to always go back to is the north american wildlife conservation yeah. model and you know managing ungulates also means managing land and also means managing predator populations and and these things require us to remove an emotional aspect and and look at with through with facts and and not be swayed by people's feelings and um you know give them a cry room let them go sit in it yeah yeah but yeah i, I mean i think us as hunters need to do a better job of educating and outreach and representing our sport with class and with integrity. Mm-hmm. And 
I've talked about it a few times. You know, there's there's definitely a, a big gap between those people. Like, it, it's just frustrating to see. And I, I feel like there's been a bigger push. Like, just in the, the past two years that I've been watching from where I started, and there's been a lot of a lot of progress, a lot of whether it's publications or people uh, just looking at different ways of how they're posting and, yeah. and taking a, a, a more discerning eye to what they're posting yeah. or, you know, the videos people are putting out, you know, focusing more on a storytelling aspect. And, you know, like I said it nine times today, this weekend, uh, we all love a good uh, clip show of elk kill shots. But, you know people that's not what everyone wants to see anymore we want to hear those stories and i think there's such a great movement towards that now even just in the past couple of years you know there's still a ton of way to go as as we see in the headlines all the time people doing dumb crap and that getting associated with all hunters it's i mean i don't know it's frustrating but encouraging at the same time social media has made the world very small yeah and it's us as individuals we have a responsibility to make sure that we represent our community to our best. And, you know, I'll admit, I try and... It's interesting. One of the cool things about the podcast is just as I was getting into hunting because of this, I got to hear more of that and hear a lot of the conversations about, you know, are grip and grins okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to say... Absolutely. I'm not going to say no. <laughs> Hell no. Yeah, absolutely I mean, they're okay. You should be proud. You should be excited. And sometimes you yeah. can cry. And it's, and it's one of those things. But it's, you know, okay, how do you go about doing that you know you tell the story as part of it Mm -hmm. and and provide more context and you know what take some time with that don't you know don't be the the person that's showing the really gnarly you know maybe take it from an angle where it looks a little bit cleaner or whatever that is just and i and i went into that and respecting um, class and i i've before i ever took my first animal i had already made the decision of how i wanted to present that and I actually had a lot of friends, you know, because I've got a lot of friends from the decades I didn't hunt, and a lot of them are very anti-hunting, or they're just very uncomfortable with the concept of hunting, and they reached out, and they're like, you know, I, I still would never go hunting, but I really appreciate how you presented that mm-hmm. to where, you know, uh, my friend my friend Katie, she wrote me, and she's like, you know what, you put up a, a little piece at first you know like I what I did is I, I took the photo I blurred it out and you know you could tell what it was you could tell it was a, a, a grip and grin but she's like you know you you blurred it out you gave me the chance to to look at it because I wanted to and I should then then she's like you went through and you showed the the work you put in for that you showed the the grip and grin and then you I believe she called it the necessary gore because I showed uh, skinning the animal at the end because it. And it's reality. I thought that w- I thought that was an interesting term. It's reality. To use. Anytime yeah. an animal is harvested for the consumption by man. Yeah, and it was. It's a reality that a lot of people don't want to. They don't want to face it. Well, I think I think you were the one that said it. And I've used this this term so many times. It's like, uh, I'm pre- I'm almost ninety percent sure you said this on the first podcast. Is we. Uh, we try so hard to forget, you know, as a people, we try so hard to forget that what we're buying in the grocery store it was ever a living creature. Mm-hmm. You know, you got, like you said, you got the, the diaper in the yeah, bottom the of the... the diaper in the bottom to absorb all the blood. And so you can you can forget. This is yes. just some... Package of obscure non-de- meat. Obscure, nondescript, yes. uh, uh, whatever. People it was never any sort of People want to believe it was never attached to a living soul. Most kids don't know 
bacon comes from a pig. Yeah. They, I mean, they just are, they're just totally removed from reality, and and that's you know that's just the change in our culture. We have an urbanized culture, and and you know that farm to table really hasn't existed in in a number of generations, yeah. and. It's really great to see kids have those opportunities to learn and, and interact and, and not only being a hunting community, but in a, a horticulture community where they can grow uh, their own food and they can understand from a wildlife or domestic life standpoint what goes into what's served in front of us. And I think there's more respect and more reverence that's given by everybody when they actually sit down and have reverence and realize the price that has been paid for our, our sustenance, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a true, truly a tremendous price that, that all living things give us, you know, plant life to wildlife. And um, I'm not saying plants have feelings, so please do not <laughs> tell people that I said that. Um, that's not what I'm saying, but... Um, but there is there's always a give and take with everything, you know. Uh, it's it's easy thing for people to forget. And, you know, I've been there and it's funny. I watch the difference in how I just how I consume the meat from my deer or from my javelina compared to like, you know, ground beef that I bought from the store. Oh, I won't even buy that. Uh, I mean, it's like I'll, I look back. I'm like, how many packages of ground beef have I just forgot about in the fridge and and i'm not an anti-beef yeah. person like the beef industry don't get mad at me it makes me sick to my stomach yeah the, and it's this, just the fats and the fat concentration and commercialized beef the added fat to it is just mm -hmm. it just doesn't do well with me i'm so used to eating wild game that for me i can't go to a restaurant anymore and order a hamburger yeah well i mean and and how long you know, how often do you have like some some ground venison or whatever in the fridge how often do you let that brown and go bad like how often has that happened yeah it doesn't because i take it out as i need it yeah thought as i need it yeah it's i mean I, but how many times i look back at my history i mean how many times have i gone grocery shopping bought some ground beef i'm like oh yeah i'll make some burgers and later and then it's just i i pull it open i'm like oh it's been here for three weeks and it's brown and i'm not eating that anymore yeah. and toss it out and it's there's so much waste i feel like be, because of that disconnect um because you don't realize what was sacrificed for it mm -hmm. there's no no realization there so um i've said a million times before our problems with obesity our problems with yeah. waste our problems with a lot of this stuff uh, would be solved if more people even if it was even if it was farmed meat even if it if somebody had to go out though and be part of the process you know going out and and killing that cow and i mean that's a great idea it's not realistic for our culture in yeah. any way shape uh, or form but it would be nice for people to at least understand mm -hmm. shoot take take kids to a ranch when they're young i mean well we may end up with a few more vegans but you know it, the right ranch presented in the right way and this is a great point you know having kids involvement because some kids don't have good parents mm -hmm. and some kids don't have the opportunity to have good food and to have clothes and to really have parents that care. And so mentoring kids is really important. And there are a lot of kids that go without, and it's very sad in our country. Um, so if, if you're in a position always to give back or do something for someone and offer those types of opportunities, our culture needs people that are leaders and not people that are waiting for somebody else to show them how to do it, but are willing to be the leader that makes it happen. Yeah. And, uh, Cause there is a lot of kids that they will never have the experience because they don't have their inner city. They don't have parents. Their mom's a junkie. Their dad's a 
gone or in prison. And um, I did a youth program where we took kids that their dads were incarcerated and we took them on deer hunts for, for doe, doe deer. And each kid got to shoot a deer. And then at the end of the hunt, they gutted the deer and they took the deer meat home to their single moms. And I'm going to tell you right now, those little kids I've, were so proud that they were able to provide for their mom when their dad had made whatever decisions he'd made. He was in prison. Um, and I haven't had it in the opposite end of the spectrum, but I'm sure that's also possible too, where mom's not around and dad's mm -hmm. doing it. So it takes people that are willing to step up and find these types of kids that don't have as many opportunities and, and be the people that help lead them into a different direction. And I mean, I don't know of many people that wouldn't, you know, if somebody, if somebody approached them, you know, young or old, and like I said, wanted to get into this and was passionate about it and was willing to learn that, that would turn down helping them out. Yeah. But, you know, there, there is that next step. These kids aren't, they, they probably don't even know to come ask. Like, no. they're not, they're not coming, coming to you. You didn't have a bunch of them coming up and being no. like, hey, we got this school group. You want to take us hunting? No. Um, it, it, it takes took somebody you that to has a mind's out. eye. Yeah. And that's, I had a gentleman ask me this week at my booth, well, how do you get set up to do these trips or, you know, with these kids? And, and it's like, well, number one, typically I'll organize them. I'll find a kid that I see I could help fulfill a need in their life. And I have a great group of peers surrounding me in the industry that I start making phone calls. Mm -hmm. And you have to be that person that sees the need and makes something happen. So you have to be the change we all want to experience. And I always say this for people that get mad at the NRA. Oh, the NRA is doing this or that or whatever. I'm on the board of directors. I'm one of 76. If you want to really have some change, be the person that leads the change. Be the voice. Your vote counts. Your influence counts. Be the change you want to see. And if you can't be the change you want to see, you're as hypocritical as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, everybody, you know, everybody loves to complain, but I don't see a lot of people getting off their butts. And I mean, and, it, and it's always the people that complain the loudest. It's always about the simplest stuff yeah. that they uh, we're not talking about changing the world here. We are actually. I mean, well, I mean, eventually, yeah, it does. Yeah, we and are it really does. But the world. I mean, you're changing the world for one person and that's, or a that's, few people. And it's huge. Think about this. Like you influence one life and that person, how many lives do they touch and how many lives? It, it is um, it is like a fire that starts with a mm -hmm. spark. And pretty soon you've consumed millions of acres. I mean, you guys in California just went through some devastating fires. Oh, yeah. Started with a spark. One person's spark, one person's vision can absolutely transform a landscape. And it is changing the world. It is look, reaching one kid. It is reaching one person. And, and I, I mean, I personally try. I'm not a saint. I'm not perfect. But if we all did that, if we were all mm -hmm. that spark uh, and we all carried that somewhat level of responsibility on ourselves every year, the world would be better. Our industry, our community mm -hmm. would be stronger. Yeah, I guess what I was trying to get is it's not you're not having to start that wildfire from scratch. You're yeah. how hard is it to make a spark? Yeah, it's you know, it it does not take a lot of effort on your part to do that. It is not like, you know, and, and people don't want to take that time because they think they think this little spark's not going to have that mm -hmm. effect and they mm -hmm. talk themselves out of it or they think for me to have any any effect, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to be able to do these grand things. No, the, it's the small stuff mm -hmm. that makes such a huge difference. Yeah. 
And uh, there's a lot of kids like do that do basketball and all these sorts of sports. And I had this guy that used to shoot my horses, and he is a kid, and they like shooting bows. And there was no archery league, so he started one. Mm-hmm. So once a week, he he takes kids that want to shoot bows, and he has little grant programs that he applies for, and. And you know, Elk Foundation has grants. NRA has grants. There's 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 money to be found out there in programs and help archery companies. You know, they give their own independent grants. And he started an archery club, and now he's got a club. I mean, it <laughs> just has to be one thing, one person that says, "Ah, uh, I have a need, or I see a need, or I have something I can fulfill, and and I'm going to make it happen." So, if uh, remind folks where they can follow along on the adventures and find you online and all the different internet places well first i want to say thank you all for listening to the podcast and uh hopefully listening to you and i today has sparked some um enthusiasm in in an individual if they're not already doing something to to do more um so giving back obviously can come in so many different ways whether it be financial uh, resources or time um, effort energy so I encourage that um, one thing I will close that with is our com- our committees for nonprofits need young supporters and need young volunteers now more than ever um, mm-hmm. the events that we see a lot of times in nonprofits are um, perhaps not as exciting as they could be to a younger person that might be wanting to get involved. And so be that young person that brings in the new blood into these committees, into these groups and starts volunteering. We, we need that more than anything. Um, and if you guys want to follow me along um, with some of my journeys, uh, you can watch Pursue the Wild on Amazon TV. You can watch it on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm on YouTube. I'm on Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation's Elk Network. So it's digitally kind of across <laughs> the board. Um, and then my social media is just at Christy Titus. So it's K-R-I-S-T-Y-T-I-T-U-S. So pretty much search just about anywhere for Pursue the Wild or Christy Titus, and you will come across all the stuff. And, of course, I will link to all this on the show notes page. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to sit down. It was a lot of fun again. Yeah. No, thank you very much. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 115 of Living Country in the City. Big thank you to Christy for taking the time out to join me on the podcast again. It was great catching up. Make sure y'all check out the show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 115 for notes on everything we talked about in today's episode. Also, y'all make sure you head on over to sawyer.com. Check out all the amazing products to keep you and your family safe in the outdoors this hunting season. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.